Welcome back to AR Zone on the issue of intersectionality. Brief interviews ahead of the Pro Intersectionality Vegan Conference being held at VegFest London in October 2016. I'm AR Zone founder Carolyn Bailey, and I'm joined for these special podcasts by Christopher Sebastian. In today's interview, Sebastian and I welcome back to this special series on intersectionality today's guest, Laura Schleifer. Laura is a pro intersectional vegan. She's a writer, theatre artist, and educator whose work has spanned the globe. Laura has been working on a book for vegan publishers and regularly speaks about intersecting human and other animal liberation issues. Laura, thanks for joining us and welcome back. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Laura, this week, Peter put out an article about plans for a supposed ad campaign, which capitalises on the misogyny and the reinforcement of a rape culture that we've seen highlighted in the US election campaign. For our listeners who haven't seen Peter's latest stunt, their their campaign asks us to grab a pussy, the same words Donald Trump used when bragging about committing acts of sexual violence against women, supposedly in support of cat adoption. So what are your thoughts on this, Laura? Um, Yeah, I have to say I was really horrified um, when I saw that ad. And my first thought was, you know, For people who are unfamiliar with the whole um, concept of triggering, you know, basically um, a lot of it has to do with associations, that once something is associated with trauma, uh, then that thing becomes traumatizing in and of itself, even if it wouldn't have been in a different context. And so my first thought when I saw it was, oh, now they've associated uh, cat adoption with sexual trauma. Um, somebody who has actually been sexually assaulted uh, is now maybe going to see things about cat adoption um, and they're going to associate that with sexual trauma. Um, So for somebody who, let's say, was considering adopting a cat, um, that is something now that is going to be associated with something that has nothing to do with that that is going to cause them uh, extreme psychological pain. Um, So, I mean... It was just this, like, horribly, horribly insensitive um, and, of of course, very trivializing um, exploitation of something that a lot of women have been through um, and uh, that, um, you know, also was, of course, trivializing of Trump's actual victims as well. and it, it was, I just couldn't understand on any level why they would think that something like that was acceptable. Um, you know, <laughs> to me, that would seem like it was something that was intentionally done to, uh, to trivialize what, um, what suffering comes from sexual assault. Laura, you, um, since you talked about intention just now, like there are a few, like, you know, conversations that are happening, um, especially on social media where people were, saying that, like, the, the intent was not necessarily, the, the intent was not to, to, to demean women. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do you, what do you have to say about that? Since their intention was not to demean women, does that, like, sort of legitimize or excuse the, like, you know, use of, of, of this type of misogynistic language? Well, you know, my first response to that would be, uh, PETA has a really long history of, demeaning women in their advertising campaigns. I mean, they've been demeaning women for the last 20 years, and they've been doing it in so many different ways. Um, You know, I mean, they do it 
in the obvious um, hyper-sexualization of their advertising of showing uh, women naked constantly for no reason, by the way. I mean, it's gotten to the stage where, you know, I know that the original um, idea was, oh, I'd rather go naked than wear fur, which is exploitative in and of itself. But um, that's become such a shtick with them now that they don't even make a pretense of it having anything to do with animal rights. Uh, you know, now it's just basically, oh, let's put a naked woman in our advertising or let's put a woman in a low cut top with her breasts coming out in our advertising. Um, you know, I mean, just like constant, constant, constant. Uh, so, you know, sexualizing uh, women's bodies constantly, um, demeaning women's bodies, belittling women's bodies, um, you know, things like, oh, uh, you know, your fur trim doesn't look good and showing uh, images of pubic hair or implied pubic hair, um, belittling women in terms of their weight. Uh, you know, if, if you're familiar with the notorious uh, Save the Whales, Lose the Blubber campaign, showing no whales, mind you, but um, a bigger woman in a bathing suit. Um, you know, go go vegetarian, like that's going to make you lose weight. Um, women, uh, you know, being uh, brutalized and, um, you know, that they're supposed to be the animals, but of course it's like this hyper-sexualized thing of them being beaten and bloody and chained and uh, in cages. And I mean, it's just like on and on and on and on and on. Um, so, you know, this does not come out of context. This comes out of a long 20-year history of PETA continuously demeaning women in their advertising. Um, and even aside from that, you know, people say, oh, well, it wasn't meant to demean women. Well, even if we just look at the ad itself, wasn't, you know, are we sure about that? I mean, yeah, they're, they're saying that it's about cat adoption, but there are so many other ways that they could promote cat adoption uh, to specifically take Trump's words um, that were so demeaning of women and then make a joke about them. Because it's not like they're making a statement about misogyny. It's not like they're actually challenging, um, you know, what Trump said and, and, you know, whether that was acceptable. They're certainly not. They're completely exploiting those words. Uh, they're applying them to something that has nothing to do with this. And um, they're, you know, again, they're, make, they're trying to get into a joke. So, you know, when you look at someone's pain and you say, oh, you know, let's make a joke out of this, that is demeaning. There is just no way around that, in my opinion, of seeing that that is demeaning. And especially when you've got so many women, and not just on this one ad campaign, but again, so many women over the course of the past 20 years, oh, I didn't even mention, um, how could I forget, uh, making a mockery of domestic violence. Um, you know, for those of you who've seen the, uh, you know, my boyfriend went vegan campaign with the woman who is walking down the street um, and she's been beaten and she's got a neck brace on. Um, and then you find out that it's, oh, it's because her boyfriend went vegan and, um, you know, he became such a stud that it was rough sex that bruised her up like that. Um, I mean, just again and again and again, mockery of women's pain, mockery of women's exploitation, mockery of women's suffering, mockering of women's abuse repeatedly. So I don't know how they can say that, honestly. Laura, one of the defences that I've seen to these type of campaigns from 
animal people is that mm -hmm. the women who take part in the campaigns do so by choice. Sure. They're not forced, forced into doing the campaigns and mm -hmm. even that it's empowering to them and they do so because they want to help the other animals. <laughs> well, I, don't know where, I don't know where to start with that. But what specifically I'd like to ask you is what yeah. impact do these type of campaigns and the attitudes behind them have on women who are not in positions of power and who are not able to make their own choices? How, how is it hurting them? Well, you know, it is hurting them. But actually, before I even jump to that, I just want to address this whole idea of, oh, the women who do this, uh, you know, they do so willingly and it's even empowering for them. Um, I've heard that obviously retort many times on this issue. And I have certainly given it a lot of thought. And, um, you know, what I would say to that is, especially uh, speaking as a woman myself who has grown up in this culture, um, you know, basically women are sent the message from the day that they are born that the only thing about them that matters or that is of value is having a quote unquote good body and being physically attractive by mainstream standards. Um, of course, those standards are <laughs> very white and, mm. uh, you know, all the rest of it. Uh, very cis and et cetera, et cetera. But um, that's the message that women get from day one. And so when you have gotten that message from day one, um, it becomes, you do end up internalizing it where it becomes very important to you to um, have that uh, recognition and acknowledgement that you have a quote unquote good body. So the women who do this, yeah, you could say that they do it willingly, but um, I would argue that it's really a matter of wanting validation of that. And when you are um, asked to take off your clothes for the animals, for such a good cause, um, you're getting the double validation of, oh, I'm doing something good for the animals. And also I am getting the affirmation that I have a quote unquote good body. Um, I mean, you see this in that sphere, but you see it in many other spheres as well, um, even to the extent that uh, many women, especially young women or teenage girls, um, they will go out of their way to seek the most oppressive voices, uh, the most misogynistic, and they will say, you know, do you think I'm pretty? Do you think I have a good body? And I think that what's going on there is that Basically, they feel like if they get the validation from the most misogynistic elements of society, then that basically kind of um, gives them the uh, sort of um, they, they feel consoled that, uh, you know, well, if the most misogynistic people feel that way, then that must mean that everybody feels that way. And I pass everyone's standards. Um, so I think that it's really a lot of validation seeking that's going on there. And I would certainly not call that empowering at all uh, because, you know, it's not you choosing to do this because you want to feel liberated. It's because you're doing it because you want the um, approval. So uh, that's what I think is going on there. And, um, you know, as far as how that affects um, other women and other girls, um, it's a really horrifying effect because basically um, that then 
sends out the message that this is okay for women in general to be viewed in this way, to be judged by these standards, to be exploited in this way, um, to be treated as if you are just a body. And unlike the women who participate in these advertising campaigns, the rest of us don't have a say-so in that, but we're still affected by it. So it's really a very damaging um, sort of uh, syndrome that's happening with that. So, I mean, of course, I, I could go further and, you know, talk about the effects of what that does to women and girls. You know, I could say, you know, look at things like plastic surgery and eating disorders and, you know, all kinds of harmful and damaging things that uh, women and girls do to their bodies to try and conform to these standards um, yeah. that are and I think, impossible. And I think that um, women and girls who who I'm talking about, women who are trafficked and, and, and sex oh, slaves yeah. and 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 people like that you know they they don't they don't have a voice in the same way that that we have a voice and and they suffer of course ter terribly when this sort of thing happens i absolutely agree with you about the use of the word empowerment um yeah. i think that the, the women who, who think that they're feeling empowered they're feeling empowered in a very limited and very restrictive sense because of, of everything that you, that you just said, I mean, they're, they're living up to the ex expectations that are that, set up by patriarchy. Yeah, exactly. So they're very restricted in what. I, I, it's hard to say it without sounding condescending. They're um, restricted in in what they think that they're able to do and what they're supposed to do. Right. Um, you know, and of course, the other thing is that they're just. Uh, and I, I think this is kind of saying it a different way to what you just said, but yeah, I mean, basically, uh, again, it's this thing of, well, the highest achievement that you can uh, reach for is a body that is um, praised by patriarchal standards. And that's really kind of all that you should be putting your energy and your attention into, because that is the most meaningful achievement that you can make as a right and, right and in a movement that's that's based on equality and against depression and subjugation that it it's it's fascinating that these things are allowed to happen and they almost go unchallenged and and they're supported i uh, uh, <laughs> yeah i mean the lack of uh challenging is really stunning and um you know it, it, they say that it's a movement for <laughs> i guess equality i don't know i mean you know you, you're getting conflicting messages in this movement because some people say that but then you really hear a lot of animals first animals first you know that's, that's right. equality <laughs> right exactly that that's that's a whole another problem too isn't it yeah i guess as I say, it's, I, I find it a little bit difficult to talk about how other women act and think without sounding condescending, but I right. completely agree with what you've been saying. And, I mean, it seems... You know what? Awesome. I'm going to say this. Um, I don't want to sound condescending either, but um, I actually don't feel that it is condescending, and the reason why is because... Oh, I, oh, I, was, I wasn't suggesting that you were being condescending. No, no, but... But I, I just have to say this. Um, 
the reason why I don't feel it's condescending for me to say these things is because I can actually relate to what I'm saying. I'm not saying this from a position of, oh, look at them doing this. You know, I'm so different. I feel that pressure and I understand where it's coming from. And when I said that about seeking out misogynistic voices um, for their approval, because you feel like that's something that, you know, um, if you get their approval, then you must have everybody else's as well. The reason I understand that is because I understand the motivation of where it comes from. I can relate to it. I'm not saying that I do that, but I, I absolutely can relate to where that's coming from. So I'm, I'm definitely speaking from a very personal place here. It's, it's not a, a point of looking down on them or condescending to them. I, I really do get where they're coming from. Yeah, look, I completely agree with that as well. I, um, I know how I used to think a number of years ago, and I used to think the same way. I, you know, yeah. I thought that that was, you know, that was a sign of success to, to, to seek approval for, for the way you looked. And um, it's, it's a shame that, that in 2016 we still think that way so often. Yeah, and it's also uh, a fear of, um, you know, if you can't meet those standards, then you're going to be attacked for that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not even necessarily, the, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is kind of like, oh, I'm getting this approval and there's a high from that. Um, but there's also the fear of the flip side to that, which is, well, if I can't make those standards, then, um, you know, somebody could say something about that. So it's, you're really kind of like just walking on this, um, tightrope all the time. So, in closing, Laura, what, if anything, is there that, that those of us who are opposed to this type of campaign mm -hmm. re realistic, realistically can do to stop, stop it happening? Um, you know, I really think that we have to call it out. Um, call it out, call it out, call it out as much as possible. Um, you know, because there's a really kind of like an overwhelming sense within the animal rights movement and also just in the dominant society that these things are acceptable to um, make fun of, to make jokes, to make light of. Um, oh, you know, you have no sense of humor. You know, what's your problem? It's just a joke. Can't you take a joke? Um, the more of us that are saying no to that, the more of us that are really vocally not accepting that, um, the more that's going to change. So we need to be really vocal about it. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing I would say is that, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, Carolina, we discussed this, uh, there was actually a study that was done at the University of Queensland um, where they showed that this approach does not work. Um, it actually reaches, and it, it makes logical sense. I mean, even Freud, I think, for all his flaws, was tapping into this when he said, you know, there are different parts of the brain, right? There's the super ego, which is more the conscience. There's the ego, which is more handling everyday matters. And there's the id, um, which is kind of the base instinct. It makes, you know, kind of logical sense. And then, of course, this study proved it by actually uh, watching the regions of the brain um, flashing uh, as to which um, areas were active while they were watching this sort of advertising campaign that um, it does not reach the part of the brain 
with the conscience that actually cares about the suffering of others. It reaches the id part of the brain. It reaches the part of the brain uh, that is um, lustful and greedy and uh, et cetera. And it makes sense. I mean, you're pandering to uh, people's worst instincts, and I would say in general men's worst instincts. Um, So, you know, if we can talk about it in those terms, that this is not an effective approach for animal rights, that if we actually want people to become compassionate and to care about suffering, then this is not the way to go about it. Um, I think that's a really powerful argument within the animal rights movement to make for why we should not be using these sorts of advertising campaigns, in addition to the fact that it reinforces patriarchy, that it reinforces women's oppression. Um, you know, I think we just need to be really vocal about that. Yeah, I, I am a little bit familiar with that campaign. I think that it did show that, that these type of Peter campaigns actually turn people away from advocacy and they turn people away from wanting to support the advocacy organisations. One final question, Laura. If oh. a campaign like this was found to be effective in terms oh. of animal advocacy, <laughs> would you support it? No, I certainly would not because even if it was effective on that level, uh, it's reinforcing oppression on another level and there's no way that I could ever support any campaign that reinforces anyone's oppression, human or non-human animal alike. Um, The other thing I was going to say is that, uh, yeah, it might attract some people to to the cause, but, uh, quote unquote, because I don't think it really attracts them to the real cause, but... um, but, uh, you know, who it attracts is also something that we really need to pay attention to because, uh, you know, when you're putting out advertising that basically uh, reads like porn, then you're attracting people that are attracted to, um, and, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say that all porn is exploitative of women, but the vast majority of it is very exploitative of women, um, you know, then um, you are attracting people that are coming in for the wrong reasons. And, in fact, you are attracting people who may be predators. They may be, um, you know, really um, abusive to women. You may be attracting male abusers coming in. So, um, yeah, I think there are all kinds of problems with that. And even if it were a quote-unquote effective approach, I certainly would not support it. Laura, thank you so much for spending your time with us again today. We always enjoy speaking with you and hearing from you. Thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm never something